welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. I have been on a bit of a blitz of podcast episodes. This is the sixth episode of the week. Uh, For anybody who is new here, my name is Chris Little, and I have brought to you a long-anticipated guest, Samantha Cha-Cha. Did I get your name right? You did. (laughs) I learned that from Matt Domney. (laughs) I mean, like, because I... uh, I tend to promote Kyle Dobbs and Matt Domney on here quite a bit. So obviously I've listened to their episode with you, which I thought was hilarious. If anybody's <laughs> looking for more insight um, after the show, I highly recommend them to check out the Compound Performance Radio podcast. Um, it's a friend of the Lifestyle Chase. So check that one out. But without further ado, um, how are you doing today? What, what has your day been like today? Ah, uh, great. So, so I actually have been a little uh, sick, so under the weather. So this morning I had a couple of clients and then um, I just finished filming a bunch of videos for the new um, group program that I'm running. So I just finished that and pretty much for the rest of the day, I'm just going to be editing and hanging out at the Central Park. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. for anybody that has not met you before, how would you kind of give your your background, your your credentials, because you're more than just a fitness professional. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot that you bring to the table. So just to encapsulate that in like two minutes Mm -hmm. or less, how how would that sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, essentially, it's medical professional meets fitness professional. And I'm that person that bridges the gap between the two. So I have insight from the medical world, uh, patients in the emergency room and all that stuff. And I also have insight from the training world of clients and you want to get fit and coming from rehab, blah, blah, blah. And uh, literally, I'm that liaison person in between that kind of helps sift communicate between both fields together. So there's a little bit of rehab. I also have a strength and conditioning background. Um, so I kind of like play into those two fields. I've that's been something that sort of stood out to me with everything that's happened in the last year. I mean, just like the fact that you've been able to be in both realms, both of them challenging industries for very different reasons, um, Mm -hmm. I think is important perspective for people and also Mm -hmm. should serve as a motivator for people because like from, from my point of view, I mean, some perspective is the fact that every so often I like literally ask Kyle Dobbs who he thinks would be a good guest for my podcast and it'll usually be in his Q&A thing and he'll drop off a list. And so your name popped off a couple of times. And so it's he he is very picky with that kind of stuff. And so I knew that there had to be a reason with regards to fitness and just kind of following your account ever since that and um, seeing all the different things that you've been up to with like kettlebell training, everything like that has been super cool but at the same time having to go through like the emotional stress and everything of a pandemic and being in the medical mm-hmm. space so mm-hmm. what was your january 2020 like like did it 
was it everything that you expected it to be after that? Like when the pandemic started happening or were you totally caught off guard, like blindsided by everything that happened this past year? Yeah, I think like just like everyone else blindsided, we had maybe a little bit more heads up because we were seeing it in the emergency room sooner than it was coming out, uh, uh, you know, through the news. But ultimately we were blindsided as well. There was times where, you know, I saw patients that literally came from Wuhan right off the plane into our emergency room. And I was like, I don't know what to do with you. I'm sorry. I, no one told us uh, I'm going to handle this like a virus, but we don't really know anything about this coronavirus that I just took some swabs, sent it to CDC and sent him on his way. So we were just as blindsided and didn't know the extent. And we just saw numbers increase, increase, increase until it just oversaturated the ER where over 90% of our patients were COVID positive. What was it it's like crazy. to kind of navigate the the stress? Like I imagine it wasn't a walk in the park, but just to kind of be like, okay, like we don't we don't know what's going on. Like how did you stay sane throughout all of that? Yeah, ultimately educating myself on what we do know and looking at it as what my knowledge on a virus is and how to treat it as such. It's just symptomatic. So what are the symptoms people are having? How do I treat that? And then managing the stress of literally just trying to take shut that off, that medical brain off as soon as you leave the ER so you can kind of, you know, get some type of recovery before you have to go back in the next day. Um, so it was, it was really tough because I lived with roommates at the time and now I'm coming home to an apartment that I'm exposing them. So then there was stress on there. And um, then I couldn't see anyone because I was high exposure rate. So I didn't really hang out and see people because I just felt so responsible that I, if I contracted, I could give to people. So it was, it was very tough, very isolating. Um, and there was a, there was definitely a part of depression because I'm a very social person. Um, I like, I love to be around and socialize with people. And if I didn't go to work and socialize with my coworkers, there wasn't much else outside of that. So it was really a really tough time. And there would be times where I would come home from the ER afraid to go into my apartment because I didn't want to expose my roommates. And I would just sit in my car and just cry and just, and just wait and wait. And then maybe until they went to bed, and then I would go home and then go in my room and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a very challenging year for sure. Absolutely. And like, that's been something that I've like, I'm very aware of how tough the year was for a lot of people. And it's like, mm -hmm. for me, it's a big shift in perspective. Like all I had to think about was like, obviously my business was impacted, but I didn't have to think of the mm -hmm. factor of like having a direct danger on somebody else. Like I was isolated, mm -hmm. but I, I was just at home. I was not seeing other people that would mm -hmm. pose danger on anybody that I did see. Um, and I think a lot of people will probably relate with that whole, like, like true mental lows like um this has probably been a period of time where people have really understood what like a mental health low is like mm -hmm. uh but with that being said not to be completely negative on this show but like <laughs> what were the things that's kind of helped you like what were the rungs on the ladder that helped you slowly build yourself up or hold on mm -hmm. during your toughest time yeah so um, I would say my training business. So basically during the heat of COVID, I shut down my business. I didn't have time or the emotional energy for that. But come towards the end of May, 
um, our hours were actually cut in the emergency room because the numbers were low. So I had a lot of free time. I was like, well, I need to figure something out with my time. And actually, I realized that mentally that was helping me kind of get up on the, you know, on the upper of just feeling good of like helping other people through fitness online. So that's when I launched my first program and that came out and I was doing videos and stuff like that. So that really kept me going and seeing other people interact with me online and Instagram. That literally was like a mental saving grace. Um, and I just kept interacting and talking and meeting new people and, and all that stuff. So ultimately, once that happened, that was around June, June till now is I just went full force into the business even more. Definitely. And like the cool thing that it's a major insight to just see how, to see how much effort you put into it. Like you say you were busy with it. Mm -hmm. Like I will give people the perspective, like you were just kicking ass. Like there was, you were getting a lot of stuff (laughs) done that takes a a lot of like, uh, just either discipline or determination. Mm -hmm. Like what was it for you that allowed you to do that volume of work within the fitness space during that time? Like how, how did you stay on task and how did you keep Mm -hmm. pushing forward? I literally just created lists and timelines and said, you know what? I really don't have anything to do right now. I can't see people. I'm going to create something and do something for others that can online and actually, that was the time that I designed and programmed a whole kettlebell course and, built and filmed it all during the summer. Um, I haven't released it yet, but it was just something. I remember there was days that I would just go. There was a secret little gym space that was open only to like locals that I would film in like in the middle of the night and like dark. I would I would literally go in. Um, the lights on and cockroaches would be running around so just me and the cockroaches a lot just filming in this like this cool gym space and um i just kept telling myself just keep doing it it's going to be worth it it's going to be worth it like people are going to benefit from this just keep going and and i just kept saying yeah there's times you know that it was really hard and i just knowing the benefit that people are going to get from this course is the driving force that kept me going and hopefully it'll be really soon. I'm still working on it. It's been a year in making. It's a lot. Well, I mean, it, it's super cool to kind of see it all come to fruition. Um, <laughs> so since this is live, I've had somebody chime in. My friend Mark Zaret has asked, what is one thing that's made you happy in the past two weeks? So um, what is something that's made <laughs> you happy in the past two weeks? That's a great question. Um, I would say clarity uh clarity in like my life and i just went part-time in the emergency room so i have a lot more free time and enjoying figuring out what i enjoy again um as far as like uh, hobbies and whatnot because i lost sight of that i didn't know i forgot um so clarity and time just to like go out and and relax and just you know bike ride be in the park and all that stuff definitely and and then also go ahead I was just going to say clarity and where I'm going with my business. I actually had time to take a step back and just like think. Because you know, sometimes when you're just like, go, 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 go. And you don't really have to like think and have perspective on things. That was me for this past year. Just always going, no perspective. So now I sit back and be like, where is this business come from? Where is it going? How can I shift maneuver? So it's, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I value perspective so much and I get it from a lot of the networking that I do with this podcast, um, with my, like I taken 
the compound performance mentorship. That was a big game changer for me last year. Mm -hmm. Um, doing it again this upcoming quarter. And it's just like having people to keep you accountable, having people to kind of like give you the view from the outside in, instead of us being like stuck in our, in our zone Uh, with regards to accountability, like who are the people in your life that hold you accountable to like moving forward and also taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself, like having those boundaries so that you have a Mm -hmm. happy life, not just a busy life. Yeah. So uh, my good girlfriend, Samura, she actually is going to be one of the presenters on Compound's um, group mentorship. Samura Gonzalez, she's a good friend of mine and her and I are pretty much just like really tied to the sense that we just started to keep ourselves accountable every week we do check-ins and we have personal goals goals and professional goals and we have to just jump on a call and say what are those how are we going to achieve them and then every week we just do that and that's my accountability partner um for business and personal and then um, my boyfriend rich he also is a trainer and entrepreneur and he helps me i would say more for like the lifestyle of like doing things that's not work related and just having fun or going on a date night or and eating healthy and going to the gym so he really helps me in that aspect to like keep me on. And he's very like good with like um, program, uh, not programs, planning and structure and making sure that you're hitting everything. So for those, those are the top two that really kind of keep me, keep me aligned. Definitely. It's cool that you mentioned Samara cause she's been on the show so people can go back and learn more about her yeah. on the lifestyle chase. I like to have those like connecting moments cause people go, Oh man, I'm like getting to know a whole bunch of people. Like, Somehow, mm-hmm. by happenstance, I've interviewed basically half of the New York training industry. Not not on purpose; it just happened. And so, yeah. anybody listening from that area or within that niche of the the industry is probably going to see a lot of familiar names, which is mm-hmm. always cool. Um, mm-hmm. With regards to all of that, I know that you have a bit of like a, a background in your family in fitness. I think I've seen yeah. that your your dad's super into fitness or has has like some experience with it. So tell me more about that. Like, did you grow up within fitness or or how did that all play out? Yeah. So um, sports has always been in my life growing up. As a kid, my, our mom had us try. I was grew up with my brother, who's uh, 15 months older than me. Had us in every sport. We tried baseball. We tried soccer. We tried cheerleading we tried football oh, he tried football she wanted to let me try football I wanted to but she wanted um so we had that background for sure but as we were growing up my dad was a competitive competitive Olympic lifter so a lot of the times our vacations and traveling would be going to different uh Olympic lifting meets throughout the United States so I remember like as a little girl sitting on the bleachers with my doll and watching my dad do these crazy like whatever kilo snatches overhead I'm like so I'm used to I've been around the fitness world I personally didn't tap into weightlifting strength training until college uh I played lacrosse and I played lacrosse in college I went to temple and uh, a lot of my friends were the temple football players so we would be at the gym like two plus hours and just pushing lifting weight and that's when I really got into like what weightlifting and powerlifting was about and then from there, I was like, I love this. And it just kind of like went into that. But my dad always had influence until this day. It's in his blood. Like every day he works, he wakes up, does his workout in the morning. And he does crazy stuff. Like he's 68, 69, but up there. And 
he's still lifting like Rich and I were down the other week and he was still pulling about almost a 300 pound deadlift. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, you know, so he's, he's an inspiration to keep me going and vice versa. I am for him. So it's kind of cool. Definitely. I can completely relate. Like my dad is a similar age. He still works on his, uh, his basically it's a hobby farm, but he's working like upkeeping it daily. So like, he's still pretty fit and he doesn't often give himself enough credit. It was recently father's day. So I like to pump his tires around then, um, just to make <laughs> sure that, that he has the the confidence that he deserves, but it's just that, uh, yeah. It's so cool when our parents are able to kind of like set an example for us that yeah. sort of like holds us accountable in a more of a subliminal way. Um, mm -hmm. With regards to that, like as you found an interest in fitness, like what were the influences that caused you to take the approach that you took? Like what, what took you down the path that you took in the industry? Cause like you're, yeah. what I'm seeing mostly is that you're known for like kettlebell quite a bit. Um, you kind of have like your, your niche community. So like what, what's the origin story of, of that? Yeah. So it's really crazy. Um, just literally random too. When I came, moved up, I'm originally from Philly. When I moved up to New York, I applied for a job on Craigslist. Like I got the job in the emergency room already, but I wanted to do something else too. So I applied for training jobs and I was like, I have a bachelor's in kinesiology. I can figure out how to train. And, um, I applied for a obstacle course racing job at the gym in the city. It was a boutique gym where we did like circuit training and we literally trained people to run Spartan races, Tough Mudders, blah, blah, blah. So I got into the um, boutique uh, group class industry. That's, that was my foot in the door. And through that, I'm like, there's much more than this. Like, I don't want to take people through just workouts. Like I want to coach. I want to like progressively get people to a goal and achieve goals and stuff like that. So um, after there, I moved to another gym body space, which was more along the lines of like Mike Boyle perform better, which that's how I met them at the perform better conference up in Rhode Island, Rhode Island, I think. And um through there, I really liked their like results driven, you know, the science backed up behind what they do. You're not just doing it for fun or for show, you know, um, because that's not my personality. Like I want to coach, I want to teach, I want to like train you actually. I don't want to be your cheerleader, you know, group, group fitness instructor. So um, essentially when I was there, I was on the floor, but also was teaching uh, group classes and they promoted me to becoming like the head, I don't know, director, head someone that was, I was programming all of the group classes. I was kind of coaching the coaches to like get up to speed with the classes, the new classes that I designed. And then I would train people on the side. And that was great. I loved it. It was fun. But I was like, this is still not me. Like I want to coach. I want to teach um, not group classes. <laughs> so I literally completely left and then that's when I really started my own business um, I just started taking one-on-one -on -one clients that people knew of me and the just you know reputation came up and people were like oh yeah Sam's taking clients blah 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 and that got me into because I have a background in medicine and as a physician assistant there's going to be more of a, uh, people that have rehabilitation or complicated cases so for example um, I had a guy who came out he came to me. He was 37. He has exercise-induced AFib. 
So if essentially he pushes too hard or, you know, if it's too exertional of movement, he'll go into your regular heart rhythm. And at that point, he has to go home and take medication. If it doesn't work, he has to go to his cardiologist and get convert, uh, like uh, cardio converted. So like <laughs> those would be like my type of clients that I would pick up and take or trainers would be like, hey, I don't know what to do. What? how would you, you know, handle this? And they would give me their clients for a little bit and I would like get into more details. So um, I guess I would say that I kind of found that niche of like rehab bridging into strength and conditioning. People trust me that they had past injuries, so they know I'll take care of them, but they want to strength train. So I'm not working as a physical therapist, but I also have the knowledge to like not blow out your knee when you're going into squats. Um, just, I, I would say just biomechanics, just, I know the body, I know how the body moves and I know how to put your body in positions, but it's going to move best well for you and your anatomy and whatnot. And I, I, I think people appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm not just giving you a routine. That's a standard routine for five other clients. I'm going to see that day. Like that doesn't make sense. This is personal training. It's personal to you and your body and what you need there and then. So that's kind of like the niche that I picked up. And like, if you see me in my like, you know, one-on-one training sessions, my eyes are just expanding up and down these people. And I'm looking at the pressure of where their feet are landing in the squats, seeing the angling of their knees. And that's just me. Like I just, I see lines, vectors, force fields. And then I just translate that into what they can understand and say like, Hey, why don't we try to fix this? Blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of, it's a very complex system going on in here, but no, <laughs> so I just sense. try to like, to, I think you know, <laughs> that's how people kind of, uh, that's how they network. They find people whose brains work similarly. Um, I mm. know like, as you're describing that it, it, it kind of stands out to me. Cause I remember my entry into the industry. I started out being a spin instructor and mm. I thought that that would be cool. But then I started to realize like, I'm not getting the same fulfillment as what I would get if I was like, if I had a more meaningful role in somebody's like mm-hmm. lifestyle in that if I could get them to, to lift in a way that also changed how they walked up and down stairs, how they mm-hmm. were seated, how they recovered, how they slept, like that would be more meaningful than just playing yeah. like dubstep and like getting their heart rate up kind of thing. Right. So right. all of that makes sense. It's all very relatable. Um, with regards to like when you were figuring out your continuing education, I, I feel like you would mm-hmm. be fairly particular about where you're going to learn from mm-hmm. or who you're going to learn from. What are, what's your criteria for picking that out? Cause so many people are like navigating the, the playing field of all mm-hmm. the different minds to learn from. Like, how do you go about that for yourself? Yeah. That's a great question. I was actually never asked that question before. Um, research, definitely um, doing my research and seeing what's involved in the cert. Um, what is the background? Uh, obviously, coming from a science background, I'm like, what's the science behind it? If there is, um, does this make sense along the lines of what I believe in or something that's new that I need to be open to? Um, and then just the credibility of the certification of how long it's been around, uh, what is the quality that they're giving, and what is my takeaway? That was the biggest question when I finally made that quick decision is what is going to be the takeaway? Is it worth it? Um, so, for example, when I my first first certification was 
um, was it Strong First? Yeah, it was Strong First um, kettlebell. And I remember doing research between the different kettlebell search, and I really liked their niche for details. Because as you know, with kettlebells, you have to be very, very detailed with what, what you do or you can hurt yourself. So I really appreciated that. And I was like, got it, that's it. And the professionalism that they that they uh, bring into their certification, I, I resound to, to because, you know, I come from a professional, medical professional background. Like, I respect that. So um, stuff like that, you know, I'm not in of like, what's the coolest trend or what is, it's funny enough when I did it and maybe two or three years later, Strong First became the trend and everyone was doing it because everyone was doing it. I'm like, y'all don't know, this has been around. But, um, and then people say that about me too, of just like the OGs of like Samara, she's a Strong First OG, OG of me. So she would say the same thing, but um, there's like other certs out there that I just thought more or less were a joke. But um, I think what is important for me when you're choosing a cert is, is there in person? So I have never taken minus the CSCS because I'll tell you about that later, but um, there's never been a cert I didn't take that didn't have an in-person component. Cause I'm all about learning in spots, especially when it comes to trading, because we're on the floor with people, you have to be tested on the floor with people. So the CFSC with my foil, I took the strong first, all that stuff. So the CSCS um, I ended up taking because it was primarily for um, to if you're going to be a guest speaker in large crowds, having that is a, a great credentialing. It's literally for the letters CSCS. I know I'm saying this in a podcast, but it's the truth. You know, it's just having that credentialing. The funny, the biggest takeaway I got from the CSCS was how to spot a bench press. <laughs> I thought that, I never knew how to do it. And I was like, this is amazing. I didn't even know that. So like, just to say that there was just so much information and not, uh, not until, you know, you're actually going to be in like training athletes. Is it really great and applicable or, you know, like a friend of mine, he runs uh, certifications and he couldn't run certifications at gyms like Equinox, 24 hour fitness or anything like that until he had the CSCS. So it's all like corporate, like he's been doing kettlebells for years, but because he didn't have that, he couldn't run certifications at those gyms. So I, I get that. That's like corporate fitness world. Um, so I just wouldn't have that, you know, on the, on the back end. But what's really important to me is being able to show practice in person, be tested in person and demonstrate that you're a good coach. Because how do you know sitting at a computer clicking, you can be a great test taker, but be a terrible trainer. And that, you know, I, I don't think is right because I see so many traders on the floor that are horrible. And I was like, have you ever had any guidance or anything like that? You know, so that, that's kind of like my take on uh, certifications and what's the what can you get out of it to be able to reproduce and be a good coach on the floor for your clients? Definitely. Like, I think sometimes people will like go through podcasts and find someone that they aspire to be like. And then they will just mm. like listen to a whole bunch of different episodes and to just drop nuggets like that could help someone with, with their career. Like I know that, uh, I mean, I probably listen to more episodes of podcasts than anyone that I know. And mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm like getting ready to ask a person to be on the show, I'll just listen to a whole bunch of shows that they've been on. And that teaches me more than any of the questions that I could ask because it's somebody else asking mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
Um, something else that sort of popped into my head as you were telling me about like your, your training career journey, uh, something that I've learned in my own career is like the lessons that we learn from our clients. Like oftentimes it can be like, Mm -hmm. like a spot that makes us kind of like think like, how, how do we do this? Or I wasn't expecting feedback like that from a client, or this was not a situation that I anticipated I'd be in. Like, have you ever had a moment like that, that kind of caught you off guard, but sort of like, uh, was a big moment in your career as far as like how you did things or how you saw things or how you coach things? Um, yes, that, that is, it's hard because I, I like literally, as you're saying that I thought of like 50 different situations. Uh, and I think it's always for me, at least it's always evolving. Every time I'm with a client, every time that I interact with them, I'm learning something new. And that is just another like change in path. And I obviously have like a skeleton of what I use, but I'm learning every single time I'm with them and it's just forever evolving. Um, so for example, uh, there is a client that I'm working with online right now. I'm actually prepping him for a strong first start and we're going through the snatch test. And he is really has a hard time with endurance, uh, snatch endurance. So we're working on that. And I have a very specific protocol that I like doing, but I'm learning with him that this may not work for him, even though it's based off of science and based off of energy systems, blah, 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 blah. It's just not clicking with him and his system. So I'm like, holy shit, Sam, like I need to take a step back and be like, is there something else that you can do that will help better serve him? You know? So stuff like that um, and whatnot. But there's like literally I see as ever evolving. There hasn't been one situation or moment where I was like, I'm, you know, it's like life changing. It's just, it's always, it's always changing in that aspect. That's definitely a big takeaway for people. Like I've, as of late, I've had a lot of newer trainers in like the Edmonton, Alberta community that have reached out to me. And I'm like, look, like I am not the most experienced trainer in the room. Don't take all of my advice, but like the advice that I give Mm -hmm. them is like, pay attention to the lessons that you can learn from every single person you work with on the floor. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I usually tell people find ways to just like get in front of as many people as you can as a trainer, mm-hmm. whether it be like the consultations that people offer or just the conversations, like being a resource for like their niche community. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just like that. That's all it is. It's, it's not too much more complicated than um, not too much more complicated than just answering questions to the people that uh, that have questions. Yeah, I think I think it's really important. Sorry, Um, I think it's really important to first be an observer, be a listener, and you gain so much more. You get so much more information from that, and and then reacting to that from that, you know. Definitely, something that you've kind of come to in the last couple months is your whole transition to like dial back on the medical field and lean more into fitness. Like how, how did that come to be aside from just like balancing your own sanity? Like what was the fruition of that? (laughs) Well, literally I was going to lose my mind. So I was like, if I don't change something, I will lose my mind. Um, And ultimately business picked up and I had so many plans how to grow the business but I couldn't do it because of time. I was just didn't have time and the ER is picking up again. So when I'm done with my shifts, I'm exhausted. And the next day I was like, oh, I don't want to, because as everyone knows, running a business, it's full-time job, you know, and um, working 12 hours in the ER is very stressful. So that picks up on you. And now I'm trying to have a balanced life of 
maintaining friendships, relationships and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. I want to dive into my passion. I've been in emergency medicine for eight years already. I've, I've done it all. I, I mean, you know, eight years is good. It's not long, long time, but you know, I worked in the Bronx. I'm at a level one trauma center now. Um, I was like, you know what? I can take a little step back and give my business a chance to really let it flourish and grow because it grew with me doing it half ass, not half ass. I, I always put a hundred percent into it, but it grew with me still working full time and not fully giving my hundred percent attention to it. Now that I can, I'm so excited to see how this is going to pick up, how this is going to grow over the next couple of years. Well, it's super cool because like I can vouch for the fact that if a person didn't know that you were working in the medical field, they would think that you were like all in on fitness with the quality of the work that you put out. Um, and it pops up in lots of people's feeds. So it's like you kind of have that uh, when other people are attesting to the quality of what you're putting out, then you know it's good. Like it's one thing for us to pump our own tires, but when we have like peers and colleagues mm -hmm. and friends and even like mentors and everybody just saying, Hey, like this person knows their stuff like that. That's a pretty mm -hmm. big deal, which is like mm -hmm. a big motivator for me to get you on the show because like something that pops up for me is so often like, uh, females in the industry don't necessarily have like someone that they can aspire to be. They have their Mike Boyles, they have their Eric mm -hmm. Cressy's, they have their Dean Somersets and like everybody under the sun but they don't necessarily have as like broad a variety of females in the industry. So that's kind of what I try to do. I try to make sure that I'm like walking my talk and introducing people to cool people that like work their ass off, defy the odds and kind of like set the example. Um, for yourself, who are there people in the industry that you look up to, or is it more of a just work your butt off and keep your head down kind of thing? Yeah, I would say the number one person who is actually my friend, um, but is uh, she's a physical therapist out in LA. Her name is Jen uh, now, recently for Brony. She just got married, but she runs um, mobility programs, sales programs online, completely online. But her as a human being, as a core, she's such a good person. And she literally just magnifies that out to everyone that she talks to. and and communicates with online she has a very large following but she makes you feel so personable and no matter what out of her 650 whatever thousand followers she has now um she makes you feel special and i really like that about that and she's also crushing it in the game um she knows exactly how to target people how to hit you know do do everything about running a business and also be a good person in the, in the meantime too. And that's really important to me is she's not losing herself and who she is at her core with her business. It's literally, it is her business. And I feel like sometimes some people can get lost in that and lost in what society wants, lost in what social media wants, and they lose who you are. Um, and she's someone that never lost that. So I look up to her in that aspect. I look up to her and just her, um, her success and her business. And she, you know, has taken me on as like a mentee and helped me through calls and just like getting me where I'm at. And she was actually the first person that inspired me to build and grow my social media because ultimately she's like, Sam, this is free marketing. Like, you know, your stuff show people what you know you don't have to be that instagram model or when people look at you in that way like 
show them your brains and what you're made of. And that inspired me to pick it up. And that just kind of like was a domino effect. And it's how I am here I am now. Well, that's super cool because that's something that I try to preach as well. I'm like, just like find good people with integrity, um, mm-hmm. seek those people out like a heat seeking missile. And if you are surrounded by them, you're going to be in a good place, but it's going to take, it's kind of in a previous episode, I talked with the guest about watering the plants, like taking care of like your, your friendships, your relationships, everything like that within the industry, like be a resource for the people that need it show value to the people in your network. Not that we have Mm -hmm. to give all of our things away or give all of our time away, but just in the Mm -hmm. sense that it's like, it's a give and take. Like when, when people support me, I support them back like as loud as I can. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. anytime I've shown support to someone in the industry, they tend to reciprocate it. And if they don't, then that is a sign. Like that is just fate telling us what direction we got to go. And it Mm -hmm. gives us an influence as to our boundaries that we have to set in order to keep our ship afloat because we're not for everybody. Um, Social media is a very treacherous place. How do you navigate that playing field? Like, I mean, just being being a female in the Instagram, I yeah. can't imagine it's it's a walk in the park. Like, what's what's your mm-hmm. words of wisdom with regards to that? Yeah, um, you know, the first thing is what I you know mentioned a little bit before is you got to know who you are, know your core, know your values, know your morals. If you don't know that, you're gonna be in the winds, just blowing at any direction. So you have to have a solid foundation in who you are first and know your message, who your audience is, and then from there, head spirit through. Um, and then as far as being a female in the social media industry, yeah, there's a lot of competition out there, but in, in my eyes, I see it as the people who I respect are not competition. The people who I don't respect, you nothing. You're like, that's not even in the equation or in a conversation of like, I know that there's not anything that um, people, people look at females on Instagram. Let's just say like bikini models in a different light than when they come to my page and say, I'm going to learn something from her. And I think that's more value and that's more quality. And the funny thing is, is um, a lot of my funny enough guy friends are like, Sam, you have to be more like, you know, like fitnessy modely and like, you know, work out with your sports bra blah 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 i'm like guys i like i don't care like whatever like yeah you have to like look apart and you have to put on uh, not put on but like look decent but you definitely don't have to be provocative in, in any way so funny i think it was like last summer i did i had to do like a promo for some company or whatever so i did more of like a provocative it wasn't that provocative really but a post and it did terrible <laughs> Because no one wanted, because people that see my page don't come to my page for that. So I thought it was a really funny experience. And then, of course, I did like the biomechanics, like education, like how to clean the next day. And it like, you know, it did that much better. So um, I just know like the audience that I am drawing to my page are people who respect me, are people who want to learn from me and see me at a higher level than just a body or just a face and blah, 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 that I give more value to them than just that, which is my my whole purpose and sole propriety of having the social media. If I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have that at all, honestly. That was refreshing. Like just to hear that that perspective, that take that uh, that you laid it out as it is, is basically like show up, demonstrate your value, know your worth, set 
set the the standard for how you want to show up. And if mm-hmm. there's anything that strays away from that, keep your distance kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. we we don't have to be connected with millions of people. We can be connected with thousands of people and find people that can keep us whole, find people that uh, actually want our product and not just like a picture mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I thought mm-hmm. it was funny how you outlined the whole aspect of like um, presenting like a biomechanics thing got a bit more engagement. I'd imagine that <laughs> that lucrative yoga mat that you had going on, if you posted the yoga mat, <laughs> that would probably get a lot of likes. Oh my God. It, it got like aggressive. I think one of, I, I think I launched a second program and this person DM me and they're like, Hey, is the yoga mat included? And I was like, no. And they're like, all right, I'm not buying the program. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, go buy the mat. I am not the person that made this. Go buy it on your own. It was so funny. What's the deal with the mat? Like, what are the characteristics that make it so awesome? And like, uh, yeah. It's It's the freaking line. So it's so funny because I needed a yoga mat and I needed it a little bit wider in dimensions just for my stance. So that was the mat randomly I found online. I didn't even like, care too much about the lines it's just because the dimensions were wider and then once i started making videos with it people like oh my god the lines and i'm like this is an alignment mat you've never seen this before it's a standard alignment yoga mat but clearly not and again my audience is more strength conditioning people so they're probably not yogis on a lot of the yogis on my page but i was cracking up i'm like you guys never see a line mat before but they loved it because then they can line their feet up and then they can, when they're doing the Turkish get up, they have a little reference point. So that makes sense. Um, but till this day, if I post a video, I'll get at least one person. Yo, where'd you get that mat? <laughs> I actually became an affiliate with that um, company because of it. Cause I, so many people are reaching out. I reached out to them. I was like, Hey guys, I can give you a lot of sales. Like give me a discount code so I can get help these people out. So they got back to me and, um, Put a discount code. And the funny thing is, I don't know if it was directly from me, but I put it out on Instagram that uh, I have a discount code, blah, blah, blah. And then literally the next day, they were sold out in that mat online. <laughs> I was just like, interesting. Was that coincidence? Honestly, it was <laughs> probably connected because like it was just basically that was, I would follow everybody's social feeds and I'd see your story. And it was all about this yoga mat. It was like, that's, that's all you had for the week kind of thing. I was like, Holy cow. Like yeah. what is with this mat? Like just take a Sharpie and a yoga mat, like, but super cool <laughs> and really cool that you're able to kind of turn that into something that could support your career. Like it, there's nothing wrong with affiliate marketing. There's something to be said about affiliate marketing when it's genuine and authentic and it's something that you really mm-hmm. believe in. Um, that's exactly. why it takes me a while to find like what would suit me because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to put my name on something that mm-hmm. I wouldn't believe in to the, to the end of time. Right. And hopefully like when people listen to my show and they hear me promote something, um, they understand like there's a lot of weight behind that. So like, um, just with anybody's program kind of thing with that being said, like you say, you're not quite sure when your program will be out, but like, how do people connect with you when they want to know more about what you have to offer kind of thing? Like what are, what are your channels of communication to connect with people? Yeah. The biggest one is Instagram is, is my fitness. Um, and that's at S C I C or I say Siasi still, but S-C-I-A-C-C-I-A. Um, that's kind of like where all of my like education is. I do have a YouTube that I'm putting a huge exercise library on. 
YouTube that is free. It also is what I draw from to design my program. So you're ever like, what does like what does it look like? You can go on there and see. Um, and YouTube is just fantasy or you're saying it's cha cha, but I, I can tell you that story of why I keep saying siasi. Um, but ultimately, Instagram is the main page that you can get a hold of me, and I have programs out. This course that's coming out is completely different. It's actually like an educational course, like chapter one, module one. You're going to actually go through how to set up for the deadlift, how to position for the deadlift, how to breathe during the deadlift, blah, 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 for like 15 different exercises that's kettlebell related. So it's going to be kind of like, we give it like kettlebell university. You're just kind of like learning the details of movement versus going through a program. So I'm super excited. I'm, I'm thinking of launching it uh, January, 2022. Um, it's just taken me forever to get done primarily because I just didn't have the time. So it's been sitting for a year and now I kind of, I have a team now that's kind of helping me work on it. So I'm super, super excited to launch that. And that ultimately stemmed by questions. People are like, Hey, do you have a course? Hey, do you do a certification? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you guys asking enough, maybe I should just do one. So I did. <laughs> that's awesome. And I mean, like mm -hmm. anybody that is listening to the show, that's a trainer should have you on their radar. I'll try and like, make sure to make that message very clear to people just to follow you if they aren't already. There's two questions that I ask my uh, guests and they're pretty standard, but they also kind of keep you on your toes. The first one I've changed up the last few episodes and it's if you could have a 10 minute visit with somebody on a park bench, dead or alive, who would that visit be with? That's a great question. Who would that be with? Um, oh my gosh, I honestly don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of someone. You know, it would be. I guess, okay, can I, I'm going to answer this differently. There's not one person I have in mind, but anyone who has started up and, and run a successful business, <laughs> like uh, Elon uh, from Tesla, Elon. Yeah, Elon um, Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. Musk. I would love to sit and chat with him of just like from the beginning to end, how did you get there? Why did you think this way? Why did you do this, this, and this? And one thing that actually I took from him, I was listening to him and one thing, and he said, create a product and just keep making that product better and better and better versus having five or seven different products out there that are just, you know, like lukewarm, but just keep improving that product. And that always stuck with me. So when I think of my product and my programs, there, there's not much, but I'm just improving them, improving them, getting feedback, surveys. How can I improve this? Blah, blah, blah. And that really stuck with me. And I really think that's a key to a successful business. Just improve what you have. That's that was cool that you kind of went with that angle because it's a big part of why I do podcasts. Like every mm. so often I interview restaurant owners or I interview musicians mm. or um, people who have overcome illnesses or loss because like there's so much that I can get from from how they've showed up and it keeps me out of the echo chamber of fitness like Otherwise, I'm just like, it's conversations with my buddies around the industry and their buddies. And it's just like, everybody's like validating each other. When I go outside of fitness, it helps me with fitness. And so it was cool that you took that approach. Um, the next thing is you're going to give my audience a challenge. 
for the day. And it's kind of something that you think will help them out, but something unique to you. So you can think outside of the box. You can keep mm -hmm. it simple. But when you have one ready, just be like your challenge mm -hmm. for the day is and just let them have it. Yeah. So my challenge for the day is from now until the end of the day, you're going to choose one movement and five reps. And you're going to do that every hour on the hour. Just one movement, five reps. Keep it simple. So if it's a push-up, do five push-ups every hour on the hour. It takes 10 seconds. You can do it. Five squats every hour on the hour just to move, just to implement movement. That's better than not doing anything at all. And I say that because... I do that when I'm doing my shifts, when I'm busy and I'm in the hustle and I don't have time to designate one hour out of the gym, two hours out of the gym is just little movements, grease the groove here, there. So from now till let's say after dinner, choose a movement, five extra, five reps every hour on the hour. That's challenge. awesome. That's such a good challenge mm -hmm. because it's just, it simplifies like fitness. So many people kind of, mm -hmm come up with excuses for why they can't do the thing. Now they no longer have any excuses. Exactly. Exactly. And with that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for finally uh, coming on the show. As I said, it's uh, I bugged you so much on Instagram to, to get you on here. So I was so happy to have you on this week. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate the persistence. <laughs> <laughs>